Hi guys. Last time we read chapter 70 through 73, uh, it started off with Slank uh, leaving with Molly and little Richard and the um, and the trunk on the dory. So they're going out to the boat, uh, the ship. They're getting away. They have the trunk, and they have Molly as, as well. Um, chapter 71 was called A Good Thing. It's about Blackstash and the pirates. They're back on the island, and they're going to find uh, everybody on the beach and get the treasure again. Chapter 72 was called Change of Plans. Uh, Slank is kind of bragging to Molly, telling him about King Zarboff, and... At that moment, Peter comes in flying and touches Molly's hand. Molly jumps off, but Peter doesn't catch her, and she jumps into the water. Chapter 73 is called Just Watch. And so it's about Molly sinking down in the ocean. She realizes she has some star stuff on her hands uh, that Peter had touched her. So she starts to use that to rise up out of the water. And before Slank and Little Richard can grab her, Peter grabs her hand and they both fly up uh, into the air. At that point, Slank's really upset. He decides to use the star stuff to come and get them. And uh, he opens the trunk and realizes there's nothing in there that Peter has tricked him. So he throws the uh, throws his knife up at Peter and Peter actually catches it in midair. So that is where we ended up. Let's read uh, chapter 74, The Golden Box. Molly flew close to Peter so he could hear her over the sound of the air rushing past as they swooped and soared over the sea, heading back to the island. What did you do with the star stuff? She shouted. How did you do it? Where is it now? Who? Wait, laughed Peter. One question at a time. Is the star stuff safe? she asked. Yes, he said. I'm taking you to it now. Oh, Peter, thank heaven, she said. But what happened? Where were you? After you left us to climb over the point, we came round the long way to the beach. And you weren't there. Right, said Peter. I waited for a while, but there was some kind of fight going on up the beach. So I went up to have a look. You were supposed to wait for us, said Molly. I know, said Peter. I didn't intend to get close, but then I saw... Peter hesitated. You saw what, said Molly impatiently. I saw a mermaid, said Peter. He looked sideways at Molly, who was staring at him. You don't believe me, he said. No, she said slowly. I do. Do you remember when I told you about the strange things that star stuff does to animals? The minotaurs and such? Yes, said Peter. Well, that's where mermaids come from, said Molly. The trunk must have leaked star stuff into the water. Maybe it did, said Peter. Well, anyway, I found this mermaid on the beach, and she was hurt, bleeding from the head, and I had your locket, and there was a little star stuff left, so I gave it to her. I'm sorry, Molly, but I was afraid she would die, and she was so beautiful. Molly gave Peter a very sharp look, but he missed it. Go on, she said coolly. After that, Peter said, things happened so fast. 
the star stuff healed the mermaid, and there were these other mermaids, and they were all excited about something. And I followed them along the beach, and there was the trunk, with nobody around it. So I ran up to it, and... and... and what? I'm not sure, said Peter. I think somebody hit me, because I had a raging head pain when I woke up in the water, and teacher, teacher was holding me. Teacher? said Molly. The mermaid I saved, said Peter. Molly, she saved me. How do you know her name is Teacher? said Molly. I don't know, said Peter. I just know. I can feel her thoughts, and she can feel mine. Isn't that incredible, Molly? Yes, said Molly, sounding quite unhappy, although Peter didn't notice. They were at the mouth of the lagoon now. Peter, with Molly following close, altered course slightly, leaning slightly to the right, toward the jumble of rocks at the base of the waterfall in the center of the curving beach. So anyway, continued Peter, I was in the water with Teacher and the others keeping me afloat, and Teacher told me, not by speaking, you understand, but by... Yes, by thinking. You told me that, said Molly. Right, by thinking. She told me that she knew about the trunk. She called it Creator, and we decided to find it, so we went back to the beach, and we saw the fight going on with you and James jumping on Slank, and Alf fighting that huge man. And we saw the trunk was unguarded. And that's when we came up with our plan. You and Teacher, said Molly. Yes, said Peter. She's very clever. You'll like her. I'm sure, said Molly. While you were fighting, said Peter, we grabbed the trunk and carried it quickly. You won't believe how fast the mermaids can swim. Out to the rocks. My biggest fear was that we wouldn't be able to open it, but somebody had already bashed at the hinges, and it was easy. And there it was inside, Molly. It was amazing, and I took it out and hid it behind the rock. You touched the star stuff? said Molly. Peter, in that quantity, it could have killed you. I didn't touch it directly, said Peter. It was in a locked metal box, a yellow box like gold. It's very powerful, Molly, much more so than the locket. I only held it in my hands for a moment when I lifted it, and I nearly fainted from that. Anyway, I think the box must have leaked, because there was loose star stuff in the wooden trunk. That's why the trunk glowed so much. I dumped the loose star stuff onto the rock, next to where I hid the metal box. Then I put the wooden trunk on the rock and yelled to Slank. A good thing, too, said Molly. He was about to stab me. I know, said Peter. I was scared to death he'd figure out the trick, but he believed me and took the trunk. Of course he took you, too. I hadn't expected that. I bet Teacher did, muttered Molly. What? said Peter. Nothing, said Molly. But I had the loose star stuff, said Peter. So I waited a bit, figuring Slank would let his guard down. Then I came after you, with the mermaids following, to make sure Slank didn't come back. Thank you again, said Molly. It's nothing, said Peter. Ah, there's the rock. Just ahead was the flat rock from which Peter had stood with the wooden trunk. From this, the seaward side, Molly could see that the rock had a ledge just above the water. On that re ledge rested a gleaming gold box, radiant in the moonlight, almost too bright to look at directly. Next to it was a small glowing pile, the remains of the leaked star stuff. As she swooped close, Molly saw mermaids in the water, and several more sitting on the rock. Peter swooped in and landed lightly among them. He had become quite an accomplished flyer. Molly alit next to him. The mermaid, the mermaid studied her with frank curiosity. Molly, said Peter, 
This is teacher. She was, as Peter had said, beautiful, her long blonde tresses flowing elegantly down her front. Molly felt hideously dowdy in contrast. Her dress was wet, her hair a tangled mess. I'm sure you two will be great friends, said Peter. Molly and Teacher eyed each other in the manner of two young women who will never, ever be great friends. I must take care of the star stuff, said Molly. We're rid of slank, I hope, but there are still those pirates about. She bent down to examine the gold chest, only to draw back quickly when two mermaids lunged toward her, hissing. They're guarding it, said Peter. Well, tell them to stop, said Molly. Peter turned to Teacher, and they exchanged a look that nearly drove Molly insane with jealousy though she hid her feelings well. Then Teacher, looking none too happy, grunted something, and the two hissing mermaids retreated. "'You can touch it now,' said Peter. "'Thank you,' said Molly coldly. She bent to examine the chest, putting her hand on it, then quickly pulling it away, overwhelmed by the fat power she felt emanating from it. Peter was right. It was much stronger than her locket had been. Molly was worried. She finally had the star stuff, but what could she do with it? How could she get it off this rock? And if she could, where should she move it? Would it be any safer on the island with the pirates and the savages? Molly felt tired and cold and no match for the crushing burden of responsibility for solving a problem far beyond her limited star-catcher training. She wanted to cry, but she did not want Peter to see her cry, and she especially did not want teacher with her flowing hair, to see her cry. And so she stood and turned toward the sea, and felt the burn of tears, and, not wanting to be seen wiping her eyes, blinked them, first in irritation, and then again in amazement, as she saw it, coming around the point on the right side of the lagoon, a longboat, a longboat, four oars per side, moving swiftly, guided by the familiar, graceful, arcing form of Am. "'Ahoy!' called a deep voice from the longboat. And Molly didn't care now who saw her cried, her cry, because she knew that voice better than any other in the world, the voice of her father. Chapter 75 Forever They were on the beach now. Peter, Molly, Leonard Astor, Alf, James, Prentice, Thomas, and Tubby Ted— after his tearful reunion with Molly, Leonard had insisted that she and Peter get off the rock and that the mermaids keep their distance while his crew of star catchers dealt with the box of star stuff. From the beach, the scene on the rock looked unearthly. The star catchers, five men and three women, were clad head to toe in shiny gold-colored clothing, including gloves, boots, and helmets, whose face masks had only the smallest of eye slits. They shone like human chandeliers, their gleaming costumes reflecting both the moon, now low in the sky, but still bright, and the brilliant light radiating from the golden star-stuffed box. As Leonard and the others on the beach watched, Leonard explained that the shining clothes were, in fact, made of gold. It had been spun into, into fibers and woven by a process only, or known only to the star-catchers, who had learned over the years that gold, and only gold, could contain the power of the star-stuff. That's why the others put this batch of star stuff into that golden box, said Leonard. But they didn't do it correctly. The box must be constructed so that, the, so that air itself cannot pass in or out. If it's done right, the star stuff can't escape, and it can't be detected. 
That's why I found, found nothing odd about the fact that I felt nothing from the trunk on the wasp. I assumed the golden box inside was made correctly. But of course the real reason was that there was no star stuff inside the wasp trunk. It was a ruse that, I'm ashamed to say, fooled me completely. The real star stuff box, the one on the Neverland, was not made properly. The others don't have the experience that we have, or the expertise, or the craftsmanship. They couldn't make the box tight enough, and so the box leaked. In fact, it's been leaking since it was back in Scotland. Apparently some of it got on a lizard or snake, which transformed into some sort of strange, gigantic creature, which managed to escape into Loch Ness. I certainly hope that's the last we hear of that. In any event, continued Leonard, we've got the star stuff back now, thanks to you, young lady. You did well, Molly. Extraordinarily well. A young star catcher alone, defeating Slank and that giant of his. It wasn't just me, said Molly. It was Peter, too. In fact, it was mostly Peter. Is that so? Leonard said thoughtfully, studying Peter. It is, father, said Molly. Peter was wonderful. There's so much I need to tell you. But for starters, he rescued me from Slank, and he came up with the idea of taking the star stuff out of the trunk. That wasn't just me, said Peter, blushing. That was Teacher's idea, too. I suppose, said Molly coldly. Teacher, said Leonard. That mermaid there, said Peter, the yellow-haired one. He pointed to where the mermaids were gathered a few yards offshore. Teacher was the closest, watching them, watching Molly, actually, and looking quite unhappy. So you picked up the golden box? Leonard asked Peter. I did, said Peter. And how long did you hold it? I don't know, said Peter. A few seconds, I think. I can't say for sure. As I told Molly, I almost fainted. You almost did far worse than that, said Leonard, but softly to himself. What did you say? said Molly. Nothing, said Leonard. Molly, did you touch the box? Only for the briefest instant, said Molly. I had to pull my hand away. I don't know how Peter managed to pick it up. Nor do I, said Leonard, studying Peter now with an intensity that Peter found disconcerting. Nor do I. Tell me, Peter, he said, how did you fly out to rescue Molly from Slank? I used the loose star stuff, said Peter. I poured it out of the trunk and scooped some into my hand. I see, said Leonard, and you gave some to Molly so she could fly back with you, is that right? Yes, said Peter. Molly, said Leonard, can you fly now? Molly closed her eyes, concentrating. No, she said after a few moments. It's worn off. Peter, said Leonard, can you fly? Peter's, Peter's body immediately started to rise. That's odd, he said, hovering a few feet off the ground. Usually I have to try, but this time I just thought about it, and here I am. He floated gently back down. I see, said Leonard, his expression grave. Father, said Molly. What is it? Is something wrong with Peter? Not wrong, no, said Leonard. Not exactly. What do you mean? said Molly and Peter together. I mean, said Aster, that the star stuff may have changed Peter, just as it changed the fish in this lagoon. He gestured toward the mermaids. It can change people, too, if there's enough of it. Peter was pale. How did it change me? I don't feel any different. Fly, said Leonard. Immediately, Peter rose again. 
that's how, said Leonard. You mean, you mean I can just fly now, without needing more star stuff? Yes, said Leonard. And it's permanent, said Peter. I'll always be able to fly? I believe so, said Leonard. But that's wonderful, said Peter, grinning hugely, still floating just off the ground. I can fly. But father, said Molly, if that's so, why don't all the star star catchers do what Peter did? Why don't we expose ourselves to enough star stuff that we can always fly as well? For two reasons, said Leonard. One is that the concentration of star stuff required for the transformation is ordinarily fatal, even for a star catcher, let alone a normal person. Peter is very, very lucky. He must have an extraordinary tolerance for star stuff. Most people who picked up that leaking box would have died. In fact, we understand that several did die when that box was filled. What's the other reason, said Peter? The other reason, said Leonard, is that the star stuff in that concentration causes other changes in humans, beyond just enabling them to fly. What do you mean, said Peter? What other changes? I don't know, frankly, said Leonard. There are a few cases like yours of a person surviving the exposure, and each one is unique. But it's possible that... that you... Leonard hesitated. That I what? pressed Peter. That you won't get any older. What? said Peter. That you'll stay as you are, said Leonard. A boy. Forever. Peter thought about that for several moments, then spoke slowly. Is that bad? he said. I don't know, said Leonard. I suppose in some ways it could be good. Never getting old and tired. Never becoming frail. Peter considered that. But it could be lonely, too, he said, staying the same age while your friends grow up. He looked at Molly, then quickly looked away. Yes, said Leonard, there is that. How will I know, said Peter? How will I know if I've changed? I think, said Leonard, you'll just have to wait. And perhaps I'm mistaken. We can look into this more when we're back in England. I'll arrange with your family, too. I have no family, said Peter. I'm an orphan. He gestured to James, Prentice, Thomas, and Tubby Ted. We're all orphans. They were on their way to Rundoon, said Molly with a shudder, to serve King Zarboff. I see, said Leonard to Peter. Well then, when we get back to England, you'll stay with us, and we'll sort this out. But for now, we need to deal with the star stuff. I see my people have just about finished their work. The gold-clad figures on the rock had carefully lifted the leaking golden box and placed it inside a larger leak-proof one, made by star-catcher artisans. They then sealed this second box and placed it inside a black wooden trunk, much like the decoy one that the others had loaded onto the wasp back in London so long ago. The star-catchers stowed this trunk in the longboat and removed their golden protective garb. They were now rowing to shore to pick up the others. "'It's a good-sized longboat,' said Leonard." I think it will hold us all. Our ship is anchored round that point there. We're to be escorted back to England by two British Navy warships, 74 guns apiece. We star catchers have our friends in the government. The Navy will also be escorting the pirate ship out there. Strangest thing, the pirates were all tied up and hung about like laundry. Slank, said Molly, and Peter nodded. Peter's hand went to his belt where he'd tucked Slank's knife. We found Mrs. Bumbrake locked below, continued Astor. 
She was a bit cranky, but none the worse for wear. Aster's eyes twinkled. She's looking forward to resuming her care of you, Molly. Wonderful, said Molly, making no effort at all to sound sincere. Here we are, said Aster, as the prow of the sleek longboat reached the beach. He called to Alf and the boys. All aboard for England, then. He took a step toward the longboat, then stopped at the sound, a harsh swish, then a loud and solid thunk as a hurtling spear hissed past his head and buried its sharp pink tip deep into the longboat hull. Stop right there, Englishman, hollered fighting prawn, a hundred mollusks behind him. We'll stop there for today. The next chapter is called Chapter 76, Peter's Plea.